Good morning. Well, if you were to ask those who know me really well, uh, one of the things that they might tell you is that I'm not a huge movie person. I just don't watch a ton of movies. But there are a few films that I do really truly enjoy. And one of those films is The Princess Bride. And if you know The Princess Bride at all, you know that the story begins with a girl named Buttercup. And Buttercup falls in love with a farm boy named Wesley. Now, unfortunately, Wesley is unable to provide for Buttercup. And so Wesley decides that he needs to go away for a time to make his fortune, and then he will return to marry his true love. As Wesley is leaving, he makes a promise. He makes a promise that he will always return. But soon after leaving, Buttercup learns that Wesley has been killed by the dread pirate Roberts. As the film goes on, we learn that Wesley is not actually dead. In fact, he keeps his promise and he returns to Buttercup. Buttercup, on the other hand, had long given up on the promise. She hadn't believed it. She had given up hope. And you know, The Princess Bride isn't the only movie, it isn't the only story where we see this kind of promise. This promise, kind of promise comes through in all sorts of stories. And in some cases, the person who makes the promise keeps that promise. In other stories, that person does not keep their promise. And sometimes the person who hears the promise holds on to it, no matter what, believing that promise in every situation. And other times, like Buttercup, they give up on the promise. But in almost every story, there comes a time when that promise seems unbelievable. Like there's absolutely no way that it could ever come true because of the different situations that arise. And so this morning we're going to talk about promises. And in order to do that, I'm going to start by taking us back to last week. Last week, Kelly talked to you about Abraham. And you may remember that God made Abraham a promise. A promise that he would turn Abraham into a great nation. And within that promise was contained another promise. The promise that Abraham would have a son. And last week, Kelly talked about how there was times when Abraham really believed that promise. And he really had faith that God would do what he said he was going to do. But there was other times when Abraham did not believe. And so there was peaks and there was valleys. But in the end, God was faithful. And Abraham did have a son. And so that promise was fulfilled. But the larger promise, the promise that he would become a great nation, well, that still remains. That's something that we're still waiting for, or that Abraham was still waiting for when he died. And so that brings us this morning to the story of Joseph. Joseph was the great-grandson of Abraham. 
And he would have no doubt been aware of this promise. And that's not the only promise he was aware of. God actually made Joseph another promise specifically for him. And we'll see that if we turn to Genesis chapter 37. Page 28 in your pew Bibles. And I'll begin reading at verse 3. It says, Now Israel, and Israel here is Jacob, Joseph's father. Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made him a richly ornamented robe. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. And so the story begins with a dream. And what we're going to see throughout the story of Joseph is that God uses dreams to speak to people. He does that consistently throughout the story. And so it would be reasonable to conclude that God here is the one giving Joseph these dreams. God is saying something to Joseph. Now, unlike some of the dreams that are going to come later, the meaning of these first two dreams are very clear. Everyone immediately understood what they meant. His father and his brothers immediately knew these dreams mean that in the future, Joseph's family is going to bow down to him because he's going to be raised up to a position of authority. Now, for Joseph's brothers, well, they didn't like these dreams. These dreams were problematic. But for us, who have the benefit of knowing the rest of the story, we're able to look at these dreams and see that these dreams were actually a promise to Joseph from God. And so Joseph's story begins with a promise that he's going to be raised up to a position of authority. And it's going to be important to remember this promise as we look at the rest of the story of Joseph. And so we'll hold on to that promise, and we'll also hold on to the other promise that had already been made to Abraham, the promise of becoming a great nation, because that's important in this story too. And so I'm going to briefly give you the story of Joseph. 
One day, Joseph's brothers were grazing their father's flocks, and Joseph was sent by his father to check in on them. But as we have already read, Joseph's brothers despised him, and so they threw him into a pit. Soon, a caravan of traders came by, and Joseph's brothers sold him to this caravan for some silver. The caravan continued on until it reached Egypt. And in in Egypt, Joseph was sold to one of Pharaoh's officials, a man named Potiphar. God was with Joseph, however, and he blessed him. And Potiphar was able to see this, and he soon put Joseph in charge of his entire household. The Bible tells us that that Joseph was blessed with stunning good looks. Or as it puts it, he was well-built and handsome. Potiphar's, Potiphar's wife noticed this, and she began to try to entice Joseph to sleep with her. But Joseph was a man of integrity. And he recognized that this would be a sin against God, and so he refused to give in to her demands. One day, when there were no other servants in the house, Potiphar's wife grabbed a hold of Joseph by his cloak. Recognizing what was happening, Joseph fled, leaving the cloak in her hands. In response, Potiphar's wife screamed. And when the servants came, she used the robe in her hand as evidence to falsely accuse Joseph of attempting to rape her. On hearing these accusations, Potiphar was, of course, outraged. And so, he sent Joseph to prison. But even in prison, God was with Joseph, and he blessed him. And so Joseph found favor with the prison warden. And soon he found himself in a place of authority over the other prisoners. After some time, two of Pharaoh's officials were put into the same prison as Joseph. Pharaoh's cupbearer and Pharaoh's chief baker. One night, both of these men had dreams. Dreams that disturbed them. Joseph was able to see this, and so he offered to interpret these dreams. And he did so accurately. He predicted that the baker, in three days, would be hung. And that's how it happened. And he predicted that in three days, the wine-bearer would be restored to his position. And that's how that happened. But the wine-bearer forgot about Joseph. Now, after some time... Pharaoh himself had a dream. And this dream greatly disturbed Pharaoh. And so Pharaoh called together all of his wise men and all of his magicians, but none of them could interpret the dream. And at this point, the cupbearer did remember Joseph. And so he told Pharaoh of this young man who had a remarkable ability to interpret dreams. And so Pharaoh sent for Joseph. And God allowed Joseph 
to correctly understand the dream. Seven years of plenty were coming for Egypt, and they would be followed by seven years of severe famine. And so Joseph urged Pharaoh that he should choose someone to be put in charge of the grain, of collecting grain during the good years so that there would be food during the bad years. Pharaoh believed Joseph, and he determined that there was no one better for this job than Joseph himself. And so he raised Joseph up to the highest position in all of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh himself. And so Joseph did his duty, and he did it faithfully, collecting grain during the years of plenty. And after seven years, the famine did come. And not only did it come to Egypt, but it came to the surrounding lands, including the land of Canaan, where Joseph's family lived. And so without food, Joseph's family, hearing that there was food in Egypt, came before Joseph to buy food. But they did not recognize Joseph, and so Joseph kept his identity hidden for a while. And after a series of tests, and after learning that his father was still alive, Joseph eventually revealed his identity to his family. And he brought his entire family to the land of Egypt. And so God's promise to Joseph was fulfilled. His entire family bowed down before him. And God also kept his promise to Abraham because he was using Joseph to provide food for his people during a time of famine and to bring that people to a land where they would be allowed to grow into a great number and a great nation. And so that's the story of Joseph. And there's a lot going on in that story, and there's so many different things that I could talk about from it. But today, I, just, I really want to focus on those promises. Because throughout the story, time and time again, Joseph runs into situations where it seems like there's no way that the promise could ever come true. And so, for example, we have, we have Joseph's run-in with Potiphar's wife. After being sold into slavery, Joseph has just finally began to have a small sliver of hope. He's finally been raised up to some sort of authority, even if that authority is just as a servant in his master's house. And then in a moment, in an act of obedience, it seems like that all disappears. You know, for Joseph, I think he must have thought that that if he had wanted to make that promise come true on his own, well, he would have just gone ahead and slept slept with Potiphar's wife. Because at least then, maybe he could have kept his authority. But because Joseph believed that God was powerful and that God was able to keep his promise, Joseph was obedient to God, even when it didn't make sense. I want us to notice what's going on bigger than Joseph here as well. God's promise to Abraham. 
because that promise also runs through this story. And there's a part of a story that I didn't mention, and that's what's going on back in Canaan while Joseph is in Egypt, where the rest of Joseph's family seems to be falling in all sort, into all sorts of different scandals, giving into temptation. Things aren't looking real good. And then the famine comes, and they're hungry, and they don't have food to survive. But God was being faithful. God was preparing food for them through Joseph in Egypt. And so God is faithful to this promise as well. And I hope we can see that Joseph is, is one part of this bigger story, this bigger something that God is doing. And I think it's the same in our lives, that our stories are also part of something bigger. And you know, in Joseph's case, things in the end worked out pretty well for him. In the end, he became a great ruler. But if, if we look ahead a little bit in the story and we think about what's happening next, well, we'll see that there's entire generations of Israelites that live their lives in slavery. And they too are a part of that story. Their part wasn't as pleasant, but it's still a part of that story and still important. And even for Joseph himself, he had to spend all these years as a slave, probably about 15 years. And so like Joseph, when things are hopeless, I hope that we can hold on to God's promise of a better future. And you know, the way Joseph did that the way he held on to that promise was by living his life with integrity. There was a news story this past week about the CEO of a peanut company who knowingly sent out peanut products that were contaminated with salmonella. And as a result of this, over 700 people got sick and nine people died. And as punishment for this, and what the news story was this week, is that this CEO has been handed a, a sentence of 28 years in prison. And so at his age right now, that almost certainly means that he will spend the rest of his life in prison. And you have to think that at some point, this CEO had a choice. He could stop the peanut shipments, or he could send them out. And of course, we know what did happen. He did send them out. And he even got away with it for a while. His business grew. He padded his pocketbook. Until some people started to get sick. Until someone investigated, and he was found out. And now he's going to spend the rest of his life in prison, and his company has gone bankrupt. And of course, even worse, hundreds of people have gotten sick, nine people have lost their lives. But I want you to imagine with me for a second what might have happened if he had made a different choice. What if he had stopped the shipments? Well, it almost certainly would have damaged his business he probably would not have been able to meet his contractual obligations, and as a result, he would have lost customers. 
Perhaps he would have even had to shut his company down. Hundreds of employees could have lost their jobs. And this man may have had to give up his dream of ever becoming a rich and successful businessman. He also probably would have never known that he had saved nine people's lives. He would have never known that as a result of making the right choice, he'd avoided spending 28 years in prison. And so it would be easy for him in that situation to become bitter, to think that he was being punished for making the right choice, to assume that if only he had shipped out those products, things would have been so much better for him. And we can see how it might have been a similar situation for Joseph with Potiphar's wife. He too was faced with a choice. One choice that would have given him temporary pleasure and job security. If he had just slept with this woman, he could have kept his position of privilege in Potiphar's house. And really only God knows what the negative consequences might have been. Maybe he would have been found out, but maybe not. And even at worst, he would have ended up in prison where he ended up anyway. But instead, Joseph made the right choice. He made the choice of integrity. And the consequence for that choice was that he ended up in prison. And once in prison, Joseph could have become bitter. He could have blamed God for allowing him to suffer for making the right choice. But instead, Joseph trusted God, and he held on to the promises that he had been given. And of course, God rewarded that faith. And in his faith, Joseph worked hard. Joseph was eventually put into a position where he, be, where he came before Pharaoh, where he interpreted his dream, and where he was put in command of all Egypt. And so as we close here, I just want to ask the question, well, what does this have to do with us, with you and me? Well, like the CEO of the peanut company, and like Joseph, we are all going to be faced with hard choices along our Christian walks. And there will be times where we make the right choice, and then it seems like we're being punished for doing so. We may suffer for choosing to do what is right, And we may think to ourselves that we know how much better things would be if we had just given in to that temptation. But rather than becoming bitter, we are called to have faith like Joseph. We're called to hold on to the promises of God and to believe that God will keep that promise. Because just as Joseph had a promise to cling to, we also have a promise a promise from God. Because God has promised that he is going to set our world right. God has promised that he is going to heal the brokenness in our world. And we know that God's story in people is moving towards an amazing and final conclusion. Joseph was a part of that story, and we are a part of that story. And we know that God will keep his promise because the final outcome has already been determined. It's been guaranteed 
through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so today, I pray that you would hold on to that promise, that you would have faith in that promise, and that your faith in that promise would give you the strength to live a life of integrity, even as Joseph did. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning uh, just thankful. Thankful that you're a God that has given us a promise, that you've given us a hope for the future. And most of all, we thank you that you are able to keep that promise and that you will keep that promise. And God, we just we thank you for the words that you've given us in Scripture that show us that you are able to keep this promise, that you've shown us that, that you've done this before, that you've done this in the lives of people like Joseph. You've kept your promises, and you will continue to do so. And so, God, I, I just pray that you would give us that faith, and that as a result of that faith, that we would live lives of integrity, integrating that faith into our lives, being faithful to you, We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.